We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody to solo ship week eighteen. It's the season finale. JM, are you are you ready for the full circle of chaos uh, in the NFL? <laughs> can you can you be ready? Is it possible to be ready uh, for this week? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a strange one. We'll get into it. Um, before we do, though, a little bit bummed to be doing our last show. Had a lot of fun doing this this year. Looking forward to running it back again next year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great show. I mean, it's it's been, I think it might be my best NFL season ever. It's close to it. Um, and it, like, this, this show has helped me out a lot. I hope it helps the audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I actually, not, it hasn't been my best season, but I've had a really, really strong season, really good results this season. Uh, and definitely th- this show every week, there's little things that I've picked up from things, you know, how that works, right? Things that you say and you kind of hear yourself say it and you're like, oh yeah. And then things that you've said that have also triggered other thoughts for, thoughts for me. So yeah, if it hasn't been valuable for viewers, at least it's been valuable for us. So we've lined our, lined our pockets as a result of this show. Right, we'll keep going no matter what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously week 18, you've got like a lot of stuff is in flux. And I think even during Slate, a lot of, Things could be in flux just as teams like determine right. their, their playoff positioning. Uh, I think you know, it's starting to come out really today. You know, teams are trying to say, "Well, we're definitely going to rest this guy," or you know, we're starting this person. Um, I think like right before we we hit record, like James Conner was declared out. Yeah. Um, so like that's you know going to affect the Arizona situation. Uh, but there are there's some I'm kind of focusing on what we can control, like what we know and what we can control. Um, like targeting games with higher point totals, like the Vegas point total is still 
tend to be the most accurate thing you can, you can find. Um, finding teams that have high implied point totals, uh, knowing the the teams that have something left to play for, and like and like avoiding timeshares and situations where uh, teams might be resting half their guys, or, you know, or, or like resting guys half the, the game. Um, and then just you know, paying attention to late swap. I think there's a couple of teams playing in the 4 p.m. window that might not have something to play for by the time the game starts. And that, that could affect things, but it could not. If the team's preparing the whole week, uh, you know, no, thinking that they might have something to play for. Uh, and then also just being aware, like, there's going to be so much value that salary might not matter. And, and the, the winning tournament lineup is probably going to be farther from the actual optimal lineup this week than in than in any other week yeah that's an interesting way to put that as well um i think one of the things you alluded to this but one of the mistakes that people make in this week not necessarily by the time they're building rosters but in their preparation throughout the week is we're so focused on who are the teams that are resting players and what backups might be getting extra work or what young guys might be getting extra work that we tend to forget like like, like I was going through the the, the Washington-Dallas write-up for the NFL Edge, and it's like, you know, Washington might be doing these things, and, and Dallas probably has something – well, they have something to play for, but maybe if Philadelphia is winning by a lot, maybe they start resting players. And, and then you, like, back up, and you it's like it's still a game with a 40-point total, and Washington's implied to score 16.5, and Dallas is high-priced players implied to score 23.5, and – uh, Zeke hasn't topped 18.1 points all season, and CeeDee Lamb has only hit in, a, in two shootouts this year, and Tony Pollard is 7K, right, needs so much to go right to pay off his salary. And, and it's like we can still say, like, let's let's zoom out, and instead of trying to find the, the random gem as our starting point, let's have our starting point be where are the good spots against the, like, against the backdrop of how we would typically look at things on a normal slate. And so one of the things that stands out to me is, early in the week looking at quarterbacks, it was like, okay, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, they're all good quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks with elite DFS upside and something to play for. And then look at ownership projections today. And it's like those three are the, the three highest projected owned quarterbacks, but not by like a huge margin. Right. And so it seems like the field is, is definitely understanding that those are the best spots, but also probably not quite as much as they should be looking at that. And so I think that's one of the things that we can look at is, is through the lens of, where do we have something that's like a normal week, right? The Eagles need to win this game in order to be the number one seed. The Vikings need to win their game in order to have a shot at the number two seed. The 49ers play in the late window. So uh, there's, there's no concern about them resting guys there. So spots like that are spots that I want to be paying attention to in particular, where we have elite offenses, especially in this low scoring season across the board, elite offenses with high probability of scoring a lot of points with something to play for. I think those are interesting spots to be paying attention to this week for sure. Yeah. And I think you just named the the teams with the highest implied point totals on the week. And I, so it's, I think it's reflected in the Vegas lines uh, that there are teams that have, you know, good players that have, have been good players all season that still have things to play for. Um, so like Philadelphia needs to win their game. I'm actually maybe a little bit lower on, on Jalen Hurts in the field. Um, I think he might end up being the highest owned quarterback, but I am a little bit worried with him coming back from injury uh, that that might affect things a little bit. Uh, and you still have like Josh Allen, you still have Joe Burrow, um, still have like Dak Prescott, and then it gets it gets ugly really thin, yeah, really quickly. 
Um, I mean, we, we kind of thought that that last week, though, as well. And, and some guys ended up putting higher scores than we would have expected. Um, you know, I think Kirk Cousins is, is in play. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, you think about there's going to be a lot of value there at quarterback. Like, Sam Howell is somebody that I have a little bit of interest in. But it's it's true. Like, Washington's implied point total is what, like, yeah, like 16 points. Um, so, I think I'm probably going to focus on the higher priced quarterbacks that have something to play for, maybe a little bit less so on, on Jalen Hurts, just because I think it was a shoulder injury. So they, maybe they're not going to run them as much. Um, yeah. But on that note, I, I do think it's interesting that the three, his three low volume rushing games were three of his best games of the year, right? I mean, Tennessee, he put up 37.4 Pittsburgh. He put up 28.4. The first game against Washington, he put up 30.6. I don't think – I think we still have a perception of Jalen. Like, obviously, the, the injury was to his right shoulder, so that affects his throwing as well. But I do think that there's an aspect of, like, if they're running him less, it doesn't necessarily change his value as dramatically as we would think on the surface, so much as it maybe changes, changes his pass catcher's value, right? Like the chance of A.J. Brown hitting – go up a little bit if Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball a little bit more at the same time they're playing a Giants team that should be resting most of their key starters and really bad against they're there now 32nd in DVOA against the run right so no reason for the Eagles to not just say well let's just Miles Sanders type of game so Miles Sanders at 5,900 no less right and only projected right now on OWS like 10.7 percent owned that might go up a little bit but because of how volatile he is his ownership never really gets too far out of control so uh, yeah, I mean, I can see that argument. I think that Jalen Hurts still kind of stays in the mix for me, but I can certainly see that argument against Jalen Hurts. And, and then you still have other guys to choose from, right? Josh Allen has a tough matchup against the Patriots, but last year, what was it, seven drives, seven touchdowns against the Patriots in the in the playoffs. So uh, he's certainly capable of blowing up in that spot. Joe Burrow capable of blowing up against Baltimore. And when we talk about savings, I, I want to think about like, where can I spend those savings that it actually helps me win a tournament, right? If I'm paying down at quarterback and it lets me get Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and AJ Brown or something, then I'm on board for that. But if it's just paying down and getting 16 to 20 points and we leave alone these 30, 35 pointers up here, um, then I don't want to go that direction, right? So yeah, I'm definitely focused on these more expensive quarterbacks first and foremost. And then the cheaper guys kind of come into play uh, behind that. Speaking of quarterback, I do want to get your thoughts on this Tom Brady situation in that the Bucks are four point underdogs. Uh, Kyle Trask is going to be active this week. So the expectation is that they'll sit starters, but week 17, last week of the season in 2020, the Bucks were basically locked into the five seed. They couldn't finish with the four seed or higher. They couldn't fall or they were highly unlikely to fall below the five seed. They played starters the entire game that tracks with what Brady has done through most of his career with the Patriots and meaningless end of season games. So any thoughts on the Bucks, or I should say any chance that you would mix in Bucks on tighter builds, right? The stuff that you're putting into single entry, three entry max, or is that something you would just reserve for large field play? I think it's a, it's an intriguing option for, for large field play. I probably would not have it on like single entry or, um, or like tighter builds. Uh, Cause I, I think the risk is there and it, it could be uncertain going into the game too, right? Like, like they could, say, uh, yeah, we're going to start everyone and, and play as normal, and then Tom Brady plays a half. And that, that wouldn't be such a departure. Uh, whereas, and that like could potentially torpedo your your lineup versus other lineups where the you know, players are not playing the full game. Um, so I'm probably going to avoid the Bucs. But I, 
I do think it's intriguing for for large field play, but probably like it's single digits ownership for everybody on the on Tampa Bay. Um, just because I, I really do believe, and we saw this with, with the Jacksonville game last week, where if if a team puts a player out there, especially like a high, highly known, highly paid player, and there's really nothing for the team to play for, and they get hurt, like I think that's a fireable offense for the coach. Like they, the coach should be fired in that in that situation. Maybe even just for taking the risk. Like you, you can't. These guys make a lot of money. You can't. And you know, if if you're heading into the playoffs, like you cannot be risking an injury for a, for a meaningless game. Now, like meaningless, like if it changes, you know, seating or something like that, and that's that's another situation. But um, I I'm going to avoid guys that I think are not committed, not going to play the full game. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that argument. I think that the one of the things that I try to balance in something like that is how high is the potential reward, right? And if we had had this question before the Bucks game last week, then it would be like, well, the potential reward isn't even that high. Uh, Bucks actually team, I think we talked about the Bucks on this show last week. We definitely talked about them. I was talking about them late week last week in terms of how low Mike Evans' ownership was going to be uh, and how much his how high his ceiling actually was. Uh, after we saw what they did last week, and I see it as the type of spot where the Patriots over the years always treated l- like late season games as a chance to keep building momentum, getting in rhythm, keep getting better. And that was what the Bucks did in 2020. It was like it was more valuable to keep building and prepping for the playoffs than it was to get players a little bit of extra rest. If the Bucks have Super Bowl aspirations, the most important thing for them is to stay in a rhythm. I could see mixing them onto like if I built seven smaller field rosters that are going into different single entry contests, putting that on like, let's say I have, I typically have like 22 to 2,500 on my single entry to small field build, uh, maybe having like $300 of that. So like 10% of my small field money, 15% of my small field money on that type of build. But I, I do think it's an interesting angle. Definitely one to play around with in large field. Definitely not like a core build, but. Um, in terms of teams that have nothing to play for, but it's not totally certain how they'll handle it. That's the one that's standing out to me. And then we always want to think about other spots like that in, in a week 18, um, Russell Gage, I think is an interesting one. Hilo brought up in that game in that, even if the Bucks starters sit partway through, they're going to be limited on the number of active wide receivers. So Russell Gage will actually be playing the full game. Khalil Herbert's another guy where, uh, I went through the list of guys who had big week 18 games last year. And it was like, Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones, Russell Gage, Dearness Johnson, Duke Johnson, right? Like not the young guys getting an opportunity, but these older guys. Uh, Khalil Herbert, a spot where David Montgomery is going to be a free agent in the offseason. They could move on from him. That's the type of spot where we could see them actually give Khalil Herbert more touches. Shakes up your salary structure. But uh, yeah, not a lot that I'm seeing from that angle so far this week of like who are just the overlooked guys that could have a big game. Anything you're seeing in that regard? Actually, you mentioned Dearness Johnson, and that's actually someone that is a little bit on my radar because I think Cleveland hasn't announced that they're going to rest anyone, but it would make sense for them to rest Nick Chubb. Um, and like we've seen Dearness Johnson go crazy before. Uh, and so the setup is there. I'm actually a little bit, now that I think about it, a little bit intrigued in the entire Cleveland offense. Um, like Deshaun Watson is somebody that, that's on my radar because he's actually really cheap. And actually, I'm, I'm kind of interested in veteran players who are like cheaper than they should be uh, who have something to play for. Like, like Miles Sanders actually fits this category as well. Like he's, he's way too cheap. And like the Eagles obviously are, are playing for something. So I think I might end up being like more overweight on, on Miles Sanders than, than maybe anybody else. But like Durris Johnson is somebody that like the narrative is kind of that he's 
he's been a third really good running back on that team that's kind of had to sacrifice with almost no touches this year. He was like brought up as a name at the trade deadline. They were going to try to move him for something if they could get something of value back. Um, and so we, and we've seen him perform really well at the NFL level before. So that's, that's a name that I'm, I'm interested in. Uh, it was funny. You mentioned him as one of the, the week 18 performers. Yeah. And, and last year, Nick Chubb was active. Nick Chubb got nine carries. Dearness Johnson got 25 and it was sort of unannounced. And uh, those are the sorts of things that can kind of happen in this week, which is why Khalil Herbert's one of the ones where it's like, who's the guy who like the guy in that type of position who could just randomly get some extra touches uh, and at 4,600, he kind of shakes up the salary structure and allows you to potentially get the Jamar Chase plus Justin Jefferson plus A.J. Brown build that other people won't have, or, or not necessarily those exact players of that type of build to where even if he misses, you can still end up with a really nice weekend because you're the only person who can fit in all these higher priced wide receivers. But yeah, there's there's a few different angles like that that I think are interesting to play around. Dearness Johnson, definitely another one. And honestly, that Browns, that Browns offense, because the Browns and Steelers both want to play this like play for the fourth quarter type of game, right? Where it's like, let's run the ball, let's play for the fourth quarter. But the Steelers have the advantage in that, which means they're going to need to rely on Deshaun Watson to drive the field at some point at the end of the game and take the lead for them. If you're going to need, need to rely on him at the end of the game, why not rely on him early and then take a lead and then force the Steelers to actually move out of what they want to do. The Steelers will want to attack this bad Cleveland run defense with Najee Harris, kind of protect Kenny Pickett, allow him to throw these short passes, limit turnovers. Whereas if you take a two score lead early, you force Kenny Pickett to have to be more aggressive, increase your chances of winning that game. I don't actually think that that's how Kevin Stefanski will approach this game. We haven't seen him sort of proactively do stuff like that in the past. But I think it's a really interesting angle because if they do it, if they say, let's start building for next year, let's let Deshaun Watson just kind of take his lumps in this game if he's not ready. And if he is ready, now all of a sudden we jump out to this big lead against a division opponent, spoil their season. Pittsburgh still has a shot at the playoffs. Um, I think that's a really interesting angle. Again, I think it's low probability, but the ceiling on it is really attractive because like Deshaun Watson would consistently finish with 30 plus points when he was the Texans quarterback the year that DeAndre Hopkins was gone. And so you think about with these weapons with Njoku and, and Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones, it's so obvious the ceiling. It's just, they haven't let him do that type of, of approach yet. Would you consider that on tighter build or is that going to be large field for you as well? I think, yeah, if I was doing like six rosters, I think a Deshaun Watson roster is, is reasonable and I might not pair him with any of his receivers, uh, but I would just, He's really cheap. Uh, he's, you know, we know he can run and it would make, it would kind of make sense for them to try to get him some good, like have him have a really good game before the season ends. Yeah. Because um, they're going to face a lot of questions the whole off season. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson, we know is a high upside guy that, you know, you know, we've seen him put up points. We're kind of waiting for him. Like, oh, he might be a guy that you know really breaks the, the later season, right? Like he breaks slates later in the season and that, that has not materialized at all, but there have been some kind of one-off situations with that, that game with, uh, against the Saints where it's, it's freezing cold. Uh, so I think it would, like, if they can get him to like pad his stats a little bit, that would, and, and you know, knock the Steelers out of the playoffs, that gives them like something to say, oh, we're, you know, we're building momentum towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, leaving that kind of narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I, on, on the one hand, I feel like I know, Kevin Stefanski well enough that I don't feel comfortable that it's actually going to happen. But on the other hand, it's like, it's so obvious that I feel like the chances are probably higher than my knowledge of Kevin Stefanski gives it credit for. So I definitely like that uh, angle right there. Um, at the running back position, are you seeing, uh, I think at the top of the running back 
pool is pretty thin, right? Austin Eckler is 8,900 in a game that's not super important for the Chargers. Austin Eckler has only topped 16 touches three times in his last eight games, and yet he's 8,900. Saquon Barkley, obviously, at at high risk. Nick Chubb, you mentioned that at high risk. Uh, Joe Mixon in a tough matchup. Tony Pollard doesn't get a ton of touches. Connor will be out. Ramondre Stevens is playing Buffalo. So that really looks like Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey – are really the only guys up here who stand out on paper. Any thoughts on those guys or anybody else at the higher ends of the running back price range? My, my biggest question is Christian McCaffrey, because I am worried that he's not going to play the full game. Uh, but it's it's in the late slate. Uh, so I might not worry about it too much. And like he is a guy that could maybe break a slate in, in a half, like if they just play him a half. Um, Austin Eckler is another guy that's kind of in the same situation, although I'm much less high on him than, than McCaffrey, obviously. But they, it's important to remember the, the course of the season for the Chargers where they were missing all of their wide receivers for a good portion of the season. Like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have both missed huge, big stretches sometimes at the same time. And that's when Austin Eckler went berserk and, and you know, kind of yeah. games. And yeah, now that now that they have everybody healthy, like he's not seeing as many touches. Um, and like similar to the start of the season, he didn't see a ton of touches either. Um, yeah, I, I started to write down the running backs like that the kind of higher priced running backs that I was interested in. And I realized I was writing up a bunch of like still lower price running backs. <laughs> Walker, Miles Sanders, uh, Tyler Algier. These guys are all like Najee Harris. These guys are all fairly cheap. Um, and they're the most certain guys on the running back slate. And now I think we're starting to get guys like, you know, Jonathan Williams. Um, I think it's, is it Keontae Ingram in Arizona? That'll probably be playing yeah. James Conner. Uh, he's actually somebody I'm a little bit interested in. I, I hope he doesn't gain steam. I thought it was interesting they had Eno Benjamin early in the season, and I think Connor was hurt, and we all expected like Eno Benjamin was going to have a huge game, but it was actually they they kind of split it with Keontae Ingram. So I think he's somebody that they're high on, uh, like Dur- Durance Johnson, Caleb Herbert, uh, Cam Akers, and then Matt Breida is actually somebody I'm a little bit interested. Yep, yep, yep. I think that's I interesting as well. I won't necessarily play him a lot because I think they could consider him like a starter, right? Like he's a, maybe a valued backup. Uh, but I don't know like who the third string guy would be for the Giants. Like I'd be surprised if Saquon Barkley sees the field at all. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting angle. Uh, you mentioned Cam Akers. I was going through the numbers for Cam Akers. His last five games have basically been like a mirror image of what Kenneth Walker has done in his nine games in the lead role. And I think that because of the the way that Cam Akers season has developed and all of the weird storylines and how bad this Rams offense has been for, for stretches of the season, it's easy to look at him as like a, in a tier below the Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders type guys. But yeah, I mean, I think that he's equally interesting to those guys. It's an interesting thing because the field is valuing him at the same level, like ownership on Cam Akers is coming in at the same level as these other guys. But I think that really sharp, like people who know the NFL really well can tend to be like, oh, well, Cam Akers doesn't belong in this conversation. And so they don't end up with Cam Akers on their roster. So uh, yeah, just a note that he's kind of, like he was the guy who, before I was looking at the numbers, he was like, okay, he doesn't quite fit with Kenneth Walker and with Miles Sanders. And then it's like, oh, wait, he actually does, you know? So uh, Cam Akers, Najee Harris, Miles Sanders, uh, all those guys are very interesting. Um, any thoughts on on Dalvin Cook at, uh, we kind of skipped over him at 7,300? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good, good question. Um, I'm, I'm kind of focused on Justin Jefferson in that game. Um, and there is like, there's a the narrative with the uh, possibly breaking the single season receiving yeah. yardage record. Um, so yeah, Dalvin cook is, is interesting. Um, was the 8,000 on, on FanDuel? Uh, going, yeah. Going against the bears. That, that is interesting. I just, I, in, in my mind, I'm thinking that if they have, like, if they have plays to spare, like they might take Dalvin cook early, right. Out early. And if they have plays to spare, like if they're up big, they might keep throwing to Justin Jefferson to try to get the receiving record, but they're not going to necessarily throw Dalvin Cook out there enough for him to put up a, a tournament winning score, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that there's a few sides to it, right? I don't think that Minnesota approaches this game any differently because they still have a shot. At, I mean, in the backs of their minds, they're like, San Francisco is not going to lose to Arizona in the late game, but they do still need to play it to win because they still have a shot at the two seed. But... Yeah, and and Dalvin Cook, seventy five percent of the the snaps throughout most of this season. Uh, I do think that Dalvin Cook still gets his normal role role until they're in like a big lead, right? But also, his normal role has only led to four useful tournament games this year. The angle that I really think is interesting here is something we talked about earlier this year, which is the fact that in three of Dalvin's four games where he hit, Justin Jefferson also hit. And Dalvin's looking like he's going to be somewhat popular this week, which means that most of those Dalvin rosters don't get the Justin Jefferson score. So I do like the angle. Like I won't play, I'll play a lot of Justin Jefferson without Dalvin cook, but I won't play Dalvin cook without Justin Jefferson more than likely, because I feel like that's part of the edge is saying, okay, Dalvin's big games have mostly come in just big Vikings games. Jefferson gets there as well. And then if, if I get this 28 pointer from Dalvin, well, now I know that the other 20% of the field getting this score is not getting the 30 pointer from Justin Jefferson. So if I can, if I end up getting those two stacked together, I think that becomes an interesting strategy edge, but yeah, Dalvin in a vacuum doesn't really like leap off the page to me. Justin Jefferson's my favorite 
play on the slate. So, uh, but I, I think that's an interesting way to kind of pair Dalvin is to say, uh, throw Justin Jefferson on one of those rosters. Of course, that takes away the salary flexibility to go to one of these other expensive wide receivers, which you also have to account for. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I'm seeing that spot. Wondering about Alexander Madison. Um, and if that's like for a larger field, that might be an interesting, uh, like Madison, I'm assuming yeah, he's, he's 5,100 on, on DraftKings. That, that saves you a little bit of money. I just, I get worried about the teams that have good backup running backs because there is that thought that like the backup running backs may be sacrificing a little bit by not getting as many touches. And we, I think we actually expected that to be more of a split coming into the season. Like, I, I think Dalvin has been playing more, at least, at least in my mind, than, than I expected. Like Alexander Madison looked really good last season. And, and that might be like a kind of like a Durnest Johnson situation where I wonder, I'm, I'm just worried because like the, the Bears starting quarterbacks like Nathan Peterman. Um, so the game might not be competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If the spread moves, and yeah, then, Nathan uh, Peterman comes out and pulls a Jarrett Stidham on us and just yeah, that's just true. brings them all over the yard. But yeah, uh, that's yeah, definitely that's game. I could see them still throwing at Justin Jefferson to get the receiving record, but you know maybe pulling Dalvin Cook and putting in Alexander Madison. Yeah, I remember watching a, a Vikings game earlier this year, and and Madison had the ball, and I was like, man, why don't they play this guy more? And then Dalvin Cook came back on the field, and he had, he like ripped off a big run, and I was like, oh, this is why they don't play. Alexander Madison, but Madison's like really good uh, when he gets uh, when he gets work. Um, so moving on to wide receiver, something that I'm I just realized like right before we came on the show is that the Packers Lions game is on the Fanduel slate <laughs> again. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the yeah, Sunday night show yeah. or the Sunday night uh, game is is on. Shout the- out to Fanduel there, <laughs> but I, but this time it's it's not in place of another game. They just included the whole okay day Sunday. Uh, so that actually puts it like Aaron Rodgers and and the Packers maybe in play, um, you know, against Detroit. Uh, yeah, and that might affect, you know, both the quarterback position and, and wide receiver. And I guess Jared Goff is, is probably in play as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, any opportunity to play that Lions offense, I'll always take it. And I think most people start their thoughts on DraftKings. And so they just don't, they're not going to be thinking about that game as much if they're playing on FanDuel. And so the fact that, that game is in play, you know, you add in Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, Jared Goff, a lot of guys to like in that Lions offense. Then obviously the Packers, Packers offense has been rolling of late. Uh, should be a really good game. I'm hoping that I'm hoping Seattle loses in the uh, early games, and then we get that uh, winner of that goes in instead of just if the Packers win, they go in. Because if Seattle loses, Detroit's in play for that final spot with a win. So that would be pretty fun. Yeah, and it's worth noting the Packers, I think, have the second highest implied point total after the Eagles on the entire slates on FanDuel. Uh, so it's something to keep in mind, you know, for FanDuel only only pricing. Uh, but yeah, the, the wide receiver position, I think is I think there's gonna be a common build, um, you know, or at least a common salary structure this week where people are, are spending down at running back. because uh, like Justin Jefferson, I think you know, my favorite player on the slate. I, it sounds like you know, for you as well. Um, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, all high-priced wide receivers who uh, have something to play for uh, and and can break a slate. And then there's still some value as well. Like Garrett Wilson still isn't priced up as high as he should be, and he gets Joe Flacco now. Um, and then there's some some value, including like even Gabe Davis, uh, who hasn't. Yeah, yeah. Long, but he's it's really cheap. Uh, and so that's a player that like some of these veterans kind of fits in like the Deshaun Watson, Miles Sanders, um, Gabe Davis is right in there. It's like a veteran guy who has something to play for who isn't priced up as much. And so as people are looking for these like value plays that are having, having a role change, 
like maybe just play Gabe Davis. He's in the same role, but we know he can break us late. Yeah, I think we'll see. It should be at least like half the rosters have at least one payup running back, right? Because Christian McCaffrey is coming in over 20% projected owned. Uh, Dalvin Cook's coming in over 20% projected owned. And there's just such a habit built in of paying up at one running back spot. But I think we'll see a, like a much larger chunk of the field than normal with a double pay down at running back. And then this sort of uh, salary structure. And like you said, I mean, you mentioned some guys who aren't the typical like sub 4K pay downs, but they're still underpriced. Garrett Wilson and, and Gabe Davis. And uh, even you can even throw Jacoby Myers in there, although not quite at the same level as those guys. Drake London. There's definitely some guys in here who are attractive from a standpoint of what you can get for, for from a ceiling perspective for the salary. I'll also throw in one guy. You mentioned Garrett Wilson. One guy who I really like is Corey Davis. When you're talking about guys who just literally nobody will notice. And then the slate ends and they put up 20 points and people are like, oh yeah, I can see how that could have happened. Uh, he's 3,500. His last three healthy games, six, seven, and 10 targets. So you're talking about now Flacco comes in, passing volume will be elevated compared to at least with Zach Wilson under center. Uh, he should be in line for anywhere from seven to 10 targets on the perimeter downfield role with a quarterback in Flacco who's willing to take those downfield shots. So I think if there's some cheaper guys like that, obviously Rashid Shahid's going to be popular. Greg Dortch saw 10 targets last week, right? I think he'll be a little bit lower owned because he didn't produce on those, but that's now five of his six like super active games where he's seen nine to 11 targets. And you can basically bank on nine to 11 targets for this guy at 3,800. Uh, he's put up, you know, 15 plus points in two thirds of those games without scoring touchdowns, right? He has one touchdown in his high volume games. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's another guy who is interesting at like the way pay down range. And then uh, from the standpoint of like who could just randomly get some extra run, we mentioned Russell Gage already as a guy who he should actually be playing the full game because, you know, they're going to have six wide receivers active. Two of those will be Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin and those guys will be off the field probably somewhat early. So then Russell Gage ends up playing the whole game uh, for the Buccaneers. So, yeah, there's some interesting places to look at. at wide receiver, and I think it's one of those spots where wide receiver will end up being one of the difference makers on the slate. you got to kind of find maybe the one guy who people aren't on who can blow up or be on the correct high-owned guys who end up hitting this week. Yeah, and so just moving on to the tight end position, like more, more veterans, like Corey Davis is an interesting call. Um, Mark Andrews and, and Hayden Hurst are the guys I've got written down. Just like veteran guys, again, not as like we've seen Mark Andrews have his price plummet. Um, I think he was like seventy five hundred on on Fanduel, uh, and now he's like fifty three hundred. Um, he's priced way down, but he finally had the good game. Like yeah, he's fifty four hundred on DraftKings. Uh, finally had the the good game we've been waiting a little bit for. Uh, and they still just reduced his price. Oh, he was 5,200 last week, so he went up a little bit. Yeah, 22 DraftKings points, um, but still only 5,400. And like Hayden Hurst is down at, at 3,100. Um, I think he's got like a little bit of a contract incentive as well um, that he can meet this week. And the, the Bengals are a team that have have something to play for. So you know, like Cincinnati is a team like I'm interested from Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, all the way down to you know Jamar Chase, all the way down to, to Hayden Hurst. Yeah, uh, what I like about Andrews is how well he fits into one of those Burrow builds as well, because if the Bengals are putting we know that the Ravens want to run the ball, but if the Bengals are putting up points, which is what you'd be betting on with a Burrow chase build, a Burrow Higgins build, a Burrow whatever build, then you force the Ravens to throw the ball a little bit more. And if they throw the ball a little bit more, Mark Andrews is the guy who's going to be involved and his chance of hitting become pretty high. So 
Like it would be hard for me to play a Burrow build without bringing it back with, with Mark Andrews. Uh, we also have Dallas Goddard, right? 4,900 capable of putting up 20 plus points and uh, Albert Oak at 2,900. Greg Dulcich is out. Uh, he's going to be on the field this week and, and somebody that they've talked about wanting to see him on the field, see what he can do uh, after he's been kind of buried this season. So uh, what did he have last week? He had three catches for 45 yards and a touchdown, six targets. Uh, so he's pretty interesting to me at 2,900 as, as well as a way to save salary at tight end. It's interesting. We end up on these guys that people are high on at the beginning of the season. Did yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like Alberto, um, Cam Akers <laughs> kind of fits that mold. Yep, yep, yep. He said at the beginning of the season, like, yeah, Cam Akers might be the, the you know best running back or most popular running back going into week 18. You'd go, oh, cool. yeah, like that, that makes total sense. He almost got released. <laughs> yeah, his path his path to getting there was very different than expected. Yeah, so uh, so it should be an interesting week. Um, I, I think defense is like I don't I don't have a lot of thoughts other than I'm probably going to spread it way out. Um, and, and you know, obviously, like focusing on on teams facing backup quarterbacks, uh, rookie rookie quarterbacks, um, and you know, teams with uh, you know maybe some some low implied point totals on the. the the scoring doesn't matter that much for, for defensive scoring and fantasy. Um, any any quick thoughts on defense? Yeah, I mean, uh, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, three most expensive on DraftKings, but all playing backup, likely playing backup quarterbacks if, if the Giants don't start Daniel Jones, uh, and all with plenty to play for. And and I think that they'll be all a little bit lower owned just because of the price tags. But then obviously you've got the Vikings, the Jets, the Texans, as cheaper defenses that are all attractive. So uh, I like the idea of finding with the savings available, finding a way to pay up at defense, but uh, there are a lot of different directions to go at defense this week. And I think the most important thing is just you got you to gotta stay up with news all the way through kickoff on Sunday. And even if you're building a lot of rosters, have a plan for how you pivot if if news shifts, because being able to pivot when the time comes is going to be one of the most important things if, if certain situations pop up. So I've got to pay attention to news and lead swap. It's a perfect transition into NBA season. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's been a great season. Uh, that'll just about wrap it up. Any any final thoughts? No. Uh, tons of fun doing the show this year. Looking forward to next year. All right. Good luck, everybody. Hope you had a good season watching, and uh, hopefully see you guys next season. 